find Second Kings. I'd like to say hello to all of our Facebook friends joining us uh, today. In 2011, we had 6,000 visitors for our website, our Facebook. Someone say that's incredible. And we thank God for that door that God has, God has opened that door for us to touch the nation in different parts of the world. Second Kings, the fourth chapter, in the 38th verse. And I think the guys are going to help you by throwing it up on the screen. Second Kings, the fourth chapter, and the 38th verse. And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land, or a famine in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto the servant, Set out the great pot, and seethe pottage, or brew pottage, for the sons of the prophets. And one went out into the field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered thereof wild gourds his lap full, and came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat, and it came to pass, as they were eating of the pottage, that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat thereof. But he said, Then bring meal, and he cast it into the pot, and he said, Pour out for the people, and they may eat. And there was, there was no harm in the pot. Look at somebody and say, There was no harm in the pot different direction I like to go for the next few minutes I was brought to my attention that several years ago there was a rather large Baptist church that wanted to have a special fellowship for all of its members so they raised up a team do some cooking one of the wives of the church volunteered to cook her famous steak and mushrooms she went prepared the steak got the potatoes got everything necessary for this great feast she was going to host at her house she hired a young lady to help her from town to come out and help her serve. And when she got ready to put her menu together, she realized that she had run out of money and she forgot to buy the mushrooms. As she was lamenting to her husband the lack of funds, he told her that there were mushrooms out in the pasture growing by the creek and that she could go and pull some of them. And she said, oh, no, those aren't mushrooms. Those, those will hurt people. Those aren't good for you. And he said, well, every day I see the varmints eat them and nothing's happened to them. They seem to be okay. So she went out with her basket and she collected several dozen of these wild mushrooms. Came back to the house and chopped them all up into fine pieces and set a bowl out to their dog. She watched the dog eat the mushrooms, watched him for several minutes. Nothing happened. He seemed fine. All was well. So she chose to put the mushrooms in the sauce covering the steaks had several families over for dinner. They were eating baked potatoes, their steak, and mushrooms, and everybody seemed to be okay. While they were sitting, drinking coffee, eating some chocolate cake, the hired help came in the kitchen and told her, you're not going to believe this, but the dog is dead. Immediately, she panicked. What she gave the dog killed him, and she just fed the entire church. She rushed to the phone, picked up the phone, called the doctor, and said, you're not going to believe what I've done. And she told him about the wild mushrooms. And he said, what you've done is not good. But I believe that we can solve this problem. We'll be there in a few minutes. It will be necessary to give everyone an enema and a stomach pump. So you heard the sirens coming down the road. You heard the doctors, the nurses arriving. Took everyone into the bathroom one at a time and administered an enema and a stomach pump. As they were all sitting around the living room feeling a little faint and feeling a little weak, a hired lady said to the woman, the guy that ran over the dog didn't stop to check on him. 
That story has absolutely nothing to do with the lesson today, but I thought it was a great story, and I wanted to share it with you. Uh, on a more serious note, if you'll go with me to Job, the first chapter, Job, the first chapter, this is not a job. Many people think this is a job. They don't read this book, but it's not a job. It's a man's name. Most Bible scholars agree that Job is the very first book of the Bible that Moses, in hiding, met Job and wrote this great story before he wrote Genesis through Deuteronomy or any of the Psalms. This, this is the book that, that Moses wrote. We know that in the first chapter of Job, we, we learn of what we've been learning on Wednesday night, that there is an adversary. There is a thief. There's an enemy. There's an enemy who hates us. He hates our relationship with God. He hates everything about us. And he will, to the best of his ability, try to stop and hinder the work that God has begun in us. He not only lies, he deceives, he cheats. There's nothing fair about him. He does not play fair. That's his nature. The scorpion asked the turtle to get it from one side of the river to the other. And the turtle said, no to the scorpion. If, you, if I allow you to get on my back, you will sting me and I will die. And the scorpion said, why would I sting you? If I sting you and you die, I too would die. Why would I sting you? So after many minutes, he finally convinced the turtle to escort him across the river. As they were about in the middle of the river swimming towards the other side, the scorpion bit the turtle. As they were both sinking to their death, the turtle said, why would you do that? Why would you destroy yourself? Why, why would you sting me? And the scorpion said, I don't know. It's just what I do. And that's the exact nature of our enemy. There is no good in him whatsoever. There is no good that you will find of him. But what I have learned in Judges, the first chapter, what he dishes out, he cannot take. Let me say it again. What he dishes out, he cannot take. When you cut the thumbs and the, and the toes off of Donna Bezik, he died. The enemy is terrified of the name of Jesus, and the enemy is terrified of the blood of the Lamb. That's why we sing songs about the blood. That's why we declare the name of Jesus, that when you speak that name, the enemy cannot stay. He cannot pause. He has to. Look at somebody and say, he has to flee. He can't hang around this kind of music. He can't hang around this kind of prayer. He can't hang around this kind of praise. It, it intimidates him. It runs him off. Notice, if you will, the enemy comes to God, brings attention to Job, lets God know that Job has a hedge built around him that the enemy cannot touch. The enemy asks permission to do some things to Job. And let me begin reading in verse 8. Job, first chapter, verse 8. Guys, don't make me come over there and get in the middle of you now. Okay. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God, and escheweth or hateth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day, look at somebody and say there was a day, 
when the sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the saviors fell upon them and took them away. And yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, look at somebody and say, if it's not one thing, it's another. Can anybody relate? The transmission falls out of your car, you run over the lawnmower, and you kick your dog. I mean, it seemed like, I don't know that bad things seem to come in threes, but it seemed like when one thing goes wrong, it's almost like a domino effect that something else happens right while you're trying to recover from one thing. All of a sudden, there's another thing. Look at somebody say, if it's not one thing, it's another. Verse 16. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven, hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, look at somebody and say, If it's not one thing, it's another. Notice this. Job has been brought a bad report that he's lost his, his, his crops. Now he gets another report that he's lost something else. And while he's trying to digest what he has lost and how to deal with all this, there comes another report, verse 17. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans also made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away. And yea, the servants with the edge, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, look at somebody and you know what to say. If it's not one thing, it's another. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in thy eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and fell upon the young men, and they're all dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. I don't know how you would address this afternoon. I don't know how you would address this event. I don't know how you would address this occasion. I don't know if you would throw your hands to your face. I don't know if you would get mad and, and run. I don't know what verbiage would come out of your mouth. But Job has just got four bad reports. The substance wasn't really the things that really troubled Job. It was the fact that he lost all ten of his children. And realizing that everything that he has has, has been lost, and all of his precious children are dead. The first thing that comes out of Job's mouth, verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And worshipped. Bad things are going to happen to good people. It's tough to develop or to adopt the persona that when something bad happens, I choose to praise God. I choose to worship God. Three times the Apostle Paul told us, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of the Father concerning you. God knew there would be dark days in your life. God knew there would be circumstances in your life. God knew that there would be attacks against you. But you know the good news? If God never did another thing for me, 
if God never blessed me with another meal, if he never blessed me with another day, that when I close my eyes in death, I will not open them in the gates of hell or in some lake of fire, but I will open them in the presence of my Father, my God, my Savior, my Lord, Jesus Christ. And for that reason, no matter what bad happens to you, you can lift your hands and you can worship God because he brought you from where you're at to where you're at today. And there is a Beulah land. There is a sweet by and by. There is coming a day when the lion's going to lay down with the lamb and we're going to be reunited with all of our loved ones and friends, all the babies that have died, all the family that's gone to be the Lord, and we will celebrate his name forever. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house. He said, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return hither. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job sinneth not, nor charged God foolishly. You've heard, if you've been a part of me for very long at all, you know that this is one of my favorite guys in the Bible. This guy did not have Christian television. He did not have Hillsong. He did not have Benny Hinn. He didn't have a Bible. He did not have a Bible. He had no library. He had no videos. He had no CDs. But somehow, early in life, he connected with the God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Somehow by looking at nature and some, somehow by looking at childbirth, he determined that there was a higher power and there was a God who was worthy to be praised. Job's life was consistently filled with sacrifice. He had ten kids. And every time they had a birthday, they had a birthday party. And every time they had a birthday party, there was wine involved. And every time the party was over, Job would rise up early in the morning. And he would sacrifice animals to touch the heart of God in case his kids did something stupid while they were partying in case some bad things happened while they were drinking wine. He was a father that loved his kids, but he was a father that didn't have a Bill Gothard seminar. He was a father that didn't have Mark Hamby's book, You Have Not Many Fathers. He was a man that was alone with absolutely no help except something in his heart. He determined there was a God worthy to be praised. I love this story. I love this story. I guess the reason that I love this story the most is that Job somewhere in the end of the book, somewhere in chapter 41, he starts talking about a crocodile, Leviathan. And as he starts talking about this crocodile, you realize very early it's an analogy concerning the prince of darkness. In all of the bad things that happened to him, Job realized that there was a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He realized that there was a thief that brings sickness and death. We're learning on Wednesday night that God is not the author of sickness. God is not the author of death. God is not the author of bad things that happen to us. Joseph said, what the enemy intended for evil, God has worked for your good. And I have lived days, weeks, months, and years. Wednesday, I celebrate 32 years being drug-free from cocaine and everything else. And every day, go ahead, every day that I live, I see the greatness and the goodness of God. Even when bad things happen, even when there's loss, even when things are taken, Yesterday, as we sat with, with Austin's grandfather, obviously the kids loved him, the family loved him, and, and it was obvious that, that he's going to be missed. But the good news is, is that Melvin gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, knew 
where he had put his hope and his trust. And today he's in a body that is not sick. He's in a body that is not crippled. He's in a body that's not afflicted. And he's at a place right now where he will never be sick again. He will never be crippled again. And he's right there where God is. I mean, how cool is that and how faithful is the Lord? And that's what, that's what Job knew. Job knew that God was faithful. But in the battle, Job realized this is not God doing this. This is not because of a wrong confession. This is not because of a wrong theology. Sometimes we get so hung up on doctrine and we get so hung up on theory and so hung up on thesis and you will learn that if you allow someone to prove their point, they can convincedly, convincedly prove you stuff that, 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 that is not true. Can anybody relate? And, 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 if, and if you listen to their stuff long enough, it actually starts worming away in your heart that you actually start defending it. I believe when we get to heaven, all of us are going to freak out and say, Oh, so that's what you meant. Oh, so that's what that scripture meant. Oh, so that's what that song meant. I think, I think really when we get there, we're going to understand the things that are a mystery to us today. But one thing Job realized, there is a war going on, and there is a battle that we are fighting. When we look at the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and we're told to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, Apostle Paul actually tells us how we're to clothe ourselves. And you all know the story that we have our feet shod with the gospel of peace. But when you study that passage, you realize that the shoes that the Roman soldiers wore were deadly. They were intended to tread upon spiders and snakes and scorpions. And they were, they were intended to destroy their enemy. When you look at the armor that the soldier had, it protected him from the top of his forehead to the bottom of his ankles. That he had a helmet of salvation. That he had the sword of the spirit. And he had, a, he had a shield. And I'd like to focus, if I may, just for a moment upon the fact of this shield. There's a reason why we put the helmet of salvation on. There's a reason why we put the gospel of peace on. There's a reason why we dress ourselves the way we dress. But the purpose of the shield has one purpose and one purpose only. Are you ready for it? It is to stop, to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We get this grasp or this picture of Satan that stands at a distance and throws fiery darts at us. It can be darts of confusion. It can be darts of frustration. It can be darts of financial pressure. It can be darts of emotional anxiety. It can be marital darts. It can be family darts. It can be in every area of your life it's the enemy that steps back and throws things at you to try to take you down but God has given you a shield to defend yourself no matter how serious the darts are guys if you'll help me give up the lights I want to show a clip a very very powerful movie probably one of the most intense movies concerning warfare and you're going to see a, a scene where 300 soldiers, and I'm reminded of Gideon's 300, are at a place where hundreds of thousands of arrows are launched at them, and you're going to see how they respond and how they defend themselves, and you will notice that not one single warrior is wounded by these arrows. Guys, if you'll help me. Guys and cowards! 
We have to save it. What? Fight in the shade? <laughs> Recover! how God has clothed us. I don't know of any better illustration to show effectively how when you are properly clothed and you're properly armored, nothing the enemy can do can defeat you or hurt you or wound you. Today I have asked Brad to help me. Our thought today is how to survive the fiery darts of the enemy. And you'll notice as Brad is so kind to, to model this... Um, uniform for us. Now, the, the trash can was my idea. That's not the uh, firefighters, but the firefighters have themselves clothed literally from the bottom of their feet to the top of their helmet. This helmet, this, this body armor here can withstand heat up to 250 degrees, which is pretty hot. And he has got his axe in case he needs to break down a door to save somebody or help somebody. But I want you to notice that what Brad has and didn't really have the kind of shield that I wanted to use, so I found a trash can lid. Let me tell you why I chose a trash can lid. As most of you know, I was born and raised in Southern California in the Fertile Valley, San Joaquin Valley, and in the neighborhood that I lived in, there was a plethora of fruit trees. In my backyard alone, it seemed like everybody on the block had either an orange or a tangerine tree. Almost everybody had a lemon tree. Most people had a grapefruit tree. Now, we're just talking about random backyards because what would happen, the fruit would fall on the ground, it would, it would wither, the seed would manifest, and the wind would just throw the seeds all over the neighborhood. And if you allowed the tree to grow, you could have apricots, you could have nectarines, you could have loquats, there were figs. About every fifth house had a pomegranate tree, and the pomegranate trees were awesome. If you didn't like somebody, you threw it against the side of their house, and the stain just smeared the whole house. You couldn't wash it off. It was, uh, it was like the, the ultimate thing to get in trouble for. And then we had a fig tree. And so every day after school, we'd go out. I'd eat three or four apricots, a couple of nectarines, a plum or two, and then I would get me a box full of figs, and I would get me a trash can lid. And I would dress myself not quite like Brad. All I had in my defense was a trash can lid. And my friends thought it was so cool to take apricots or figs and take them and throw them at me. Well, when they threw them at me, it was very important that I had my shield of faith so that I didn't get hurt. Can anybody relate? Something you're going to learn today, spiritual warfare is messy. And thank God we have Harold to shampoo the carpet when we're done. Something about, and I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna open this up. I know we've never done this before, but if you're frustrated, I mean really frustrated over the fire darts of the enemy, I got about 18 tomatoes in here. And if you'd like to just take a cheap shot with the devil while I'm teaching, while I'm preaching, please feel free to come up at any time 
and take a tomato and just heave it at him. Because I want, I want you to notice something. He is clothed to handle this type of persecution. I would like to say today that he does not have the spirit of heaviness on, but he has the garment of praise. Can you notice the garment of praise? Do you know what the garment of praise does? It allows water to roll off our back like a duck. Now, that's, that, that, that was a good shot. In the name of Jesus, the next 10 minutes, the Lord's going to give you victory over some fiery darts of the enemy he's been throwing your way. Some of you are going to get healed today. Some of you are going to get restored today. Some of you are going to be set free today. Some of you, there's going to be a breakthrough in your marriage today. Some of you, there's going to be a breakthrough in your money today. Some of you are going to deal with stuff. That was a good try, Jesse. Whatever you, whatever you agree with, we agree right now with Jesse. I feel, I, listen, I feel the presence of God in this house. Who would have thought throwing tomatoes at a, at a trash can lid would bring such victory? Go ahead, Missy, make it happen. Very good. Alex, I promised Alex yesterday, whatever frustration as a teenager, right now we're going to, all frustration, teenagers are gone. Someone say, praise the Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you. That was a good shot. Brandy, are you going to take a shot? Or are you going to help help clean him? Even the listen, even the children experience peer pressure and all kinds of diaper rations stuff. We all need a miracle. We all need a breakthrough. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Go ahead, Brandon. You got every right to be mad at the thief. He is a liar, and we bind him. Uh, one one per dance, please. One per dance. Come on, Pat. You got every right. In the name of Jesus, I agree that what you've been praying for your husband, it would just touch his heart, turn him back to his children, turn him back to his wife. There'd be restoration in the name of Jesus. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He said, when you walk through the fire, you not only won't get burnt, but you'll come out not even smelling like smoke. When the three Hebrew children were cast in the fire, the guys that cast them in, the heat was so hot, they perished. But the king said, did we throw three men? Yes, we did. Why is there four? And why does the fourth look like the Son of Man? I'm going to tell you, when you're under pressure, God sends his son to your side and walks with you and talks with you and counsels with you and protects you. His favor, his name, everything about him stands at your side, and you are at peace with God. Someone say, praise the Lord. In this world, you shall have affliction. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord heal and deliver them out of them all. I love the chapter of Hebrews. I love the 11th chapter. There are five things I want to leave with you today, and that's all I want to do. I want to leave five things with you today. As you look at this chapter, and if you feel led at all to come and throw, we still have eight more tomatoes. Eight is the number of new things. You know what is the, the trick of the enemy is familiarity the same thing he messed with you yesterday if he was successful is the same thing he will mess with you today and when you make a declaration of what you want God to do in your life not to just heaven hear it but hell hears it and if hell knows that's an area of your life that you're frustrated that's where the fiery darts will, 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 will come but as long as you know that greater look at some say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world that I'm going to overcome no matter what comes against me. If I can be clean 32 years completely clean, you can be clean 32 minutes. Come on. 
You can cast down those thoughts. You can get rid of those vain imagination. You can start thinking the promises and the word of God in your life. Five things that this shield of faith does. In Hebrews 11 chapter, you don't have to go there, but in verse 4, the Bible says that Abel offered unto God a perfect sacrifice. Can I tell you what a perfect sacrifice is? It's coming to God knowing that you're limited and knowing that you're weak, but in your weakness, he is made strong. And when you offer up a word of praise and you offer up a song of worship, he does not judge you for what you did yesterday. He doesn't judge you for what you did last night. Things will come. Things will happen. But he honors your praise and worship at that moment. Someone give the Lord a hand cup of praise in his house. Abel offered unto God a sacrifice. And then I look at the word of Hebrews 11 concerning Noah. The seventh verse, it says, that Noah heard the voice of God and prepared an ark. How many knows that everyone in this place we're building, we're looking for a city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. We're working in this kingdom. We're building this kingdom. We're someone help me. We're preparing a, preparing a place for God to sit. That when He comes in our worship, He doesn't just stay for a moment. He gets caught up the moment. But we build such a structure of worship that He sits down and enjoys the praises of His people. He enjoys the worship of His people. So not only have we got to be willing to offer a sacrifice to God, it's got to be a continuous sacrifice. I got in a pretty heavy phone call last night. Some things were happening in the spirit world. I encouraged this couple to go home and at night turn on some worship music and let worship music play all night long. It doesn't have to be that loud. It doesn't have to be distracting, but just let it be, just let it be in the house. I cannot tell you how many times in the past 32 years of ministry that people have told me that in the night when the enemy usually comes, how many knows he's a worker of darkness? And somewhere between 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock in the morning, when God shows up, the enemy would like to show up. Most, most evil crimes are committed somewhere, somewhere between 3 and 5. At that moment that the enemy comes, if you have prepared a place for God to dwell and you're offering up praise and worship, worship like the spirit of David will, will run off every demonic spirit, every foul spirit, and it will bring the presence of angels to your room, to your place, wherever you're at. That's the promise that we have when we praise and worship God together. Look at somebody and say, if it's not one thing, it's another. In the, in the eighth verse, Abraham obeyed God. God told Abraham to do some pretty crazy things. God told Abraham to leave the things you're comfortable with, leave your generational stuff, leave your familiar stuff, and get out and walk a path I want you to walk. Go in the way that I want you to go. And the Bible says that Abraham obeyed the Lord. How scary would that be? Micah's heart is turned towards where Micah? Micah outside. Tell Micah to come in. I don't want him outside. Get him in here. Guys, don't go back out anymore. My drug guys, stay here. Okay? It's a good word. You'd hear this. Indonesia. Thank you. Ecuador is Kenan. Mexico is J.E. That, that too. Flip them. Ecuador, Mexico. We're going to help them go where God has called them to go. We're go did you hear me? I said, we're going to help them go where God has called them to go. If God is calling you to do something, is God calling you going somewhere, you need to go there. You're getting ready to head to Germany. You might start a church there. Who knows? You, get, you miss a wife for six months, she shows up, you'll have a revival, a breakthrough, thousands will be saved. You'll see. Someone say, praise the Lord. 
The Bible says that by faith, Isaac blessed the sons of Jacob. It's, it's okay to bless those things in your life that you care about, that you love, and you treasure the most. And the last one here is the ministry of Rahab. And I love the ministry of Rahab because in most, in most Christian societies, Rahab would not be welcome. Can anybody relate? Rahab was a lady of the night, and, and she had employees working for her, and she ran a house of prostitution. But where, where anywhere in the city could strangers go and not be noticed? I mean, see how cool God is? The Bible says that she hides these spies, and when spies get ready to leave, she asks them for a favor. I know your God is great. I know your God's going to destroy this city. Will you spare my family? And what do they say? You hang a scarlet cord out the window, and everyone that's in your house will be spared. And that seventh day, when they marched around the city the seventh time and shouted, the battle is the Lord, the Bible says the walls, I have been there. I have been to Jericho. The walls didn't fall over. They didn't fall in. They fell straight down like some, like some hand, like with Play-Doh, was just pushing this wall straight down to the ground. It was the hand of God. But guess what part of the wall was not trashed? Anybody? Rahab's house stood. The scarlet cord hung from the top to the bottom, and her house was spared. I'm so appreciative of the blood of Jesus, and I welcome that blood in my life. I welcome anything that God has for me, anything God wants me to be. I welcome that. If you'll go with me to your, in, in the book of Job, go to the 28th chapter, and I'm going to conclude this. Have you got First Peter 5 and 8, Seth? Let's throw that up there. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be vigilant or diligent. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The story is told in Africa concerning lions. The lions will get downwind of their prey and they will lay in wait. And the older lion, the king of the jungle, the lion that's been around the longest, this lion has lost most of his teeth. This lion doesn't have the ability to kill or destroy, but this lion has the ability to roar. He can roar better than all the other lions. And when the lions find their prey, this mighty lion will roar, and his roar is so deafening that it terrifies the other animals, and the animals begin to run away from the roar, not knowing that the younger lions are laying in wait. It's a trap. It's a trap of the enemy. The toothless lion roars. The younger lions devour. What's the solution? What's the antidote? Don't run away from the roar. Run towards the roar. Don't be afraid. Don't be so, don't be so faith-like that you don't acknowledge the attacks and the storms that are in your life, but be the kind of person, the kind of Christian that confronts the storm that you're in, and you run right at it. The Bible says that David ran towards Goliath. He encountered that roar, and what happened that day? The head of Goliath came off. I think a lot of us, we spend a lot of time knocking our giant down, but we don't spend a lot of time putting our giant out of, its, out of, out of our way. Am I helping anybody? A lot of times we fight the very same battle. And I 
I remember there was a season in my life where I did not want to smoke. I just did not. I didn't want to smoke anymore. I hated the smell. I hated I was dating somebody that wouldn't kiss me if I smoked. And so I made up my mind I was going to quit. In California, in Southern California, almost every corner we have what's called a liquor store. It's not a grocery store. It's a liquor store. It sells liquor. And in that store, there's cigarettes and, and whatever else that you want to get. And I can remember driving down the road in a 67 Mustang, and I would take a pack, a hard pack of Mar- Marlboro Reds and throw them out the window because I hated smoking so bad. And ever within three miles, I was pulled over at the, at the store getting another pack of cigarettes. Can anybody relate? There, there, there's some, there's some, there are some hooks in our jaw that the enemy has placed there through years and years and years. And a lot of this, it's not a new storm we're fighting. It's not a new level we're walking in. But we're still fighting the same things that we fought 30 years ago. Am I, am I talking to anybody in this house? Am I talking to and, it, and it's almost like we get so frustrated because, believe it or not, if it's not one thing, it's another. And it seemed like about the time we successfully deal with one thing, all of a sudden something else rises up. Why? Because we're not cutting the head off of our Goliath. When you talk about what is wisdom and what is understanding, Job says the fear of the Lord is wisdom and fleeing from evil is understanding. But notice Job 28, verse 7. You got it, guys? I want to conclude with this thought. This will be my only conclusion. Brad, you've done so well standing there. Anybody else want to take a cheap shot at the devil before we we still have seven tomatoes left? There is a path which no fowl knoweth and which the vulture's eye hath not seen. Next verse. The lion's whelp hath not trodden nor the fierce lion passed. Next verse. Verse 9. He putteth forth his hand upon the rock. He overturneth the mountains by the roots. Look at Pastor just for a minute. There is a path. Isaiah 36, 8, 9, and 10 call that path the way of holiness. And on that path, the Bible says, no, no ravenous beast, no fowl of the air, it's for the redeemed of the Lord to walk on. And we are, we are learning in this life that there is a place that you can walk. There's a place that you can dwell. And you can be immune from the attack of the enemy. You don't have to be frustrated by the attack of the enemy. But it's kind of like, am I helping anybody in this house? It's kind of like quail hunting. How many quail hunters do we have in the, anybody? Anybody hunted with a dog? What's the good, Mike? I, I, I agree with you in Jesus' name. Total victory over that. You know what? If you're hunting quail by yourself, it can be a pretty frightening thing because you can't see the quail. And when they fly, even though you're hunting them and you know they're going to fly, it scares you. It's a little better with a dog because a dog will point and you got that moment. Okay, they're getting ready to fly. And you take your shot. I don't want to compare the Holy Spirit to a dog. But I know a preacher that compared the Holy Spirit to a mule. So just let me say, that God has put a guard dog in your life. God has put a guide dog in your life. God has put protection in your life that will point out the way of danger, that will point out the way of evil. And the word said, this is the way, walk in it. Don't walk in this path, 
walk in this path because if you walk in the path that God has for you, the young lions cannot be there and the fierce lion cannot be there. And I, I, the only way I know how to illustrate this, if you were to go out and take a handful of, of a weed and you were to pull it up by the root and see that weed be destroyed, that's how God says he will remove the mountains in your life. We learned how to shout grace at the mountain. But here the word of God says he will take that mountain and literally remove it by its root so it can never hurt or harm you again. I'll wave your hand at me just for a minute. In 1996, in the Olympics, the United States was a few points behind Russia in winning the gymnastic gold. Came right down to the very last routine, and there was a girl by the name of Carrie Strug. Carrie Strug was kind of the baby of the team. She was the one that always crumpled under pressure. She was not their finest athlete. She was actually the very last one to compete because America had no idea it was going to be that close of a race with Russia. But Miss Annabelle, it comes down to the very last event, and she has two opportunities to win U.S. the gold. She has to score, Kenny, 9.4 to, to win. She's given two opportunities. She runs to do the rail, and J.E. in her dismount and in her performance, she cracked, fell apart. In her dismount, she broke her ankle. Broke her ankle. Fell to the mat in pain. Everybody rushed out to, 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 to help her, to assist her up. America was told, you got one more chance to win the gold. If you don't compete, you get bronze. So this girl with a broken ankle surrounded by all of her all of her fellow athletes, all of her friends, everybody that she'd worked out with, were telling her, you don't have to do this. You've got a broken ankle. There's no way you can perform in this event. And this, this coach, his name is Bella Caroli, walked over to her and said, girl, you can do this if you want to. You can do this. And listening to the voice of her coach, she got on those paler bars and she did her thing and she did her dismount and she nailed it and scored a 9.6 and then fell to the mat in pain and agony. What happened? This young lady heard the voice of someone she had confidence in in someone that she trusted in someone that knew her better than anybody else and he told her, if you really make the effort, you can do this, you can make this happen. I want to tell you today, the God that's on the inside of you has programmed you to win. The God on the inside of you has programmed you to be successful. He is delight in the success of his children. Great joy. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. But there are things in our life that we have got to make a decision. First of all, we've got to clothe ourselves with the garment of praise and the helmet of salvation. Our feet shall the gospel of peace. We've got to know that our our shield is like Superman's cape. Our shield is invincible. Our shield will not crumble. Our shield will not fail because the shield is not based upon us or our performance. The shield is based upon the blood of Jesus and the price he paid so that we could be equipped for warfare to overcome all the fiery darts of the enemy. Jay, if you'll help me for a minute. 
I'll just go ahead and play by yourself. I won't help you. Just go ahead and play by yourself. Twenty years ago, I preached a sermon entitled Sick and Tired of Being Sick and Tired. Sometimes you just get to the place where it's like you would think I'd be smarter than this. You would think that this rotten tomato wouldn't trip me up again. You would think I've been to enough Bible studies. I've done enough worship. I've listened to enough tapes. And I've read enough books that I should be smarter than this. That's actually a good tomato. I don't want to waste that one. Let's take one I can waste. Here's one. And sometimes I get so tired of my repeated, consistent pattern of failure that I say, God, why don't you give up on me? Why don't you give up on me? And you know why he doesn't give up on me? Because a part of himself is alive in me. When I accepted Christ as my Savior, the DNA of God became my DNA. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And by his power and by his blood, I can overcome the enemy. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for the freedom of your spirit in this.